0: You're listening to The Bunker, New York, live on Red Bull Radio.
1: Hello, you're listening to The Bunker, New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasanick, and today my special guest is Saville. He's a recent New York City transplant from Chicago. He's going to play us some music throughout the show, and we'll take a break for a chat in the middle. But right now, we're going to get straight into the mix. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.
2: Bienvenidos a la factoría Close your
3: eyes. Relax your mind.
0: Feel the music in your soul. Get ready to ride the rhythm. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready.
2: Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get set. We're gonna rise.
1: You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We've been in the mix with Saville.
3: Yes. Yeah.
1: Thanks a lot for coming in.
3: <laughs> My pleasure. Very happy to be here.
1: Yeah. Um, so to go over some just real basic biographical stuff from people who don't know you, you moved here to New York City from Chicago pretty
3: recently. <clears throat> yeah. In December. In, in mid-December. Yeah. And uh, why'd you move here? um For a number of reasons, um, one, my partner's here, and we have been long distance for a couple of years, and I was tired of doing that. It's not the most fun thing in the world. Long distance is and really hard. It is super hard. And uh, let's turn this into a relationship conversation. <laughs> this is great. Uh, and um, <clears throat> we have been working on a bunch of projects together, so um, it, it just made a lot of sense in that capacity. Um, second of all, I, I just have always wanted to be here. Um, I've always found the energy really intoxicating, and. Um, Chicago was the first city I'd ever lived in, and it's the city I turned an adult into an adult in, and uh, it was time to experiment somewhere else, and uh, there's only one ladder to level up from, from Chicago <laughs> yeah. to Chicago, uh, excuse me, to New York, and, um, and then I have a residency here and a lot of friends here, and um, it's a very complicated market and, and uh, a, a complex place, and um, the challenge of navigating that was really exciting to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, what kind of challenges are you facing? I mean, what do you think of New York?
3: Just a few months. Um, uh, I I think that it is a really robust and rich environment um, in with regards to um, people executing their work in an actual material way, and that. Uh, that means, you know, p- parties, spaces, groups of, uh, folks gathering regularly, folks writing music together, etc. Um, and that kind of coupled with the fact that this is like the great capitalist experiment and there's a lot of money flowing through the city and a lot of competition, um, that can push and pull things in really interesting ways. And so, uh, I've always kind of been struck by the idea that like the, the sort of like, uh, fairy tale of New York as being really shitty and mean was always sort of like, or was definitely overstated. And when I started visiting here, I always felt like a level of, Um, Maybe not like warmth per se, but like a high level of cultural intelligence and an openness to like a number of different things um, that felt like a good place to experiment. And so those challenges are, you know, robust and they change, but the environment um, is supportive and uh, at the same time questioning whether you know what the fuck you're doing, which I really appreciate. You really gotta bring it here or (laughs) nobody's nobody's gonna take notice exactly yeah yeah i i like that
1: i like that a lot um so speaking of that you mentioned your new residency you have this residency at good room called you me us yeah uh do you maybe want to talk about what that party's about like what your goals are how the first couple went who's involved
3: sure yeah yeah it's a party that i throw with Anne, uh my aforementioned partner Um, it's called you meet us. It is at good room in the bad room in the smaller room. Uh, so far, uh, musically it's, uh, myself and a guest, um, all night trading off usually hour for hour, 30, 30. And then, you know, if we're no pressure to the person who's playing, but if we're feeling extra comfortable, we can, we can trade off closer. But, um, the concept has been shaped by Ann and I over the last few months and is kind of an extension and a, a dovetail to all the other things that um, we've been doing as well as myself uh, in different places in the world. So service at Smart Bar and uh, and Self Disrupt in Copenhagen and then and then you meet us here. So the party is uh, kind of loosely based around this concept that uh, oftentimes in dance music we pay attention strictly to the folks who are making the most noise on social media or the most... Uh, um the most kind of camping for themselves or capping for themselves in their corner very loudly. And uh, there are a lot of people who work super hard and and hone their craft in a very intimate way, in a very special and unique way that don't get a lot of attention um, because they don't either A, give a fuck about social media or B, they just like can't, navigate the complexities of of what it's like to be that cutthroat and that self-centered and that egocentric. Right. You know? Yeah. That's super difficult to impossible for a lot of people. Yeah. And it sucks and it's and di- anxiety inducing and a number of other things. Right. But these are the tools that we've been given to work with. And they've also at the same time, I have to be a hypocrite and say that these things have brought me the ability to connect, travel, build, create with number of people that I never would have touched. So you meet us falls within this sort of, um, this sort of idea of like, uh, let's pay attention to folks that maybe are not paid attention to in the way that we feel passionate about, and uh, we can pay them a proper wage and give them an entire night to to do what they would like, and um, we can give them the sort of promotional platform that both of us have access to, and via Goodroom, a, a, you know, a quote unquote legitimate club, whatever that means in 2019. Yeah. Um, and so the club is open to that and willing to take a risk on names that you know maybe no one knows, which is. Rare. Right,
1: so you're really pushing the
3: underdogs. Trying,
1: yeah, yeah, most certainly. And how how is it going? I mean, I was at the,
3: I think it was the first one with Laurel Halo in the main room. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's been great. I mean, the experience of working with that club, and not to to plug it too hard, but um, you know, they answer any of their emails in like five minutes, which is sick. So that yeah, uh, yeah, I've
1: done a lot there, and they're really, I've got to say, especially now, they're really on it and very yeah, professional yeah, and really
3: yeah, care. Yeah. Um, Shout out Josh and Sam and Lauren uh, yeah. dream team over there. But yeah, so it's been great so far working with Anne is always a, a fucking dream to be honest and she brings a, a ton to the table uh, across the entire thing and the the um, the room installations are are largely from from the depths of her creative brain and um she's incredibly adept at telling me when I'm being an idiot and that helps shape the project in a really intuitive way. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean the project is as much me as it is her. I just happen to be DJing. So yeah, it's been really fun.
1: Yeah. And with the decor, it seems like you're really doing a lot of hands on things, building things out of, raw materials.
3: Yeah, we really stuck our foot in our mouth on, on doing service like that and, and and wanting to continue that level as much as we could on our own. Um, uh, Craig is the third person in service uh, and, and Brian Akarski is the designer, but Craig is the mastermind of what we did at Smart Bar. So we're doing our best to put the dots yeah. together on what we learned from him. And, you know, just uh, a room transformation in a place that you go every weekend can be really, really powerful in terms of just like letting people shift out of drive and into another gear um, of curiosity. City or what-have-you
1: right and you keep mentioning service is that that was your residency at smart bar Does that still exist or did you have to leave that behind when you left the city?
3: Um, Smart bar is is specific about having residents that live in the city, which is cool Um, And so the residency I wouldn't say has ended by any capacity whatsoever, but it ended in its current incarnation We called that kind of of the end of phase one or what-have-you we did five parties over two and a half years at smart bar between the four of us um, and myself Craig Grinowski and and Brian Akarski who did the art um, and that was like a full, full, uh, f- f- you know, 13, 17-hour hour, uh, day in the club, building shit out, and then, you know, maybe taking a 30-minute break to eat a hot dog and then go back and, and start right. the night. And, and it was all around transformation of the space.
1: Right. I mean, I know you, you did things like
3: block the DJ. I never got to go to one of these, but Saul
1: your social media you would block the view of the DJ mm-hmm. and even you mm-hmm. divided the room up
3: right yeah 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 so so this so the the room was compartmentalized into sections uh separated by curtains or various materials that we experimented with and then the DJ was completely obstructed until like the last 2 hours of the night um so about decentralization about sort of um creating environments that that um That uh, stir up curiosity and exploration in a space that has been around for a really fucking long time, being the oldest club in the in the U.S. The dance music
1: club. I think there's got to be a lot of fatigue with the audience in Chicago with Smart Bar. It's just because it's one of the only places and.
3: Yeah. Everybody's
1: yeah. been going as long as right. they've been going out.
3: Right. So addressing that unique, um, situation in a club that old with that uh, kind of specific of a crowd was, was what service was, was kind of developed for. And, uh, we've, we've continued to sc- expand those ideas in different ways and unique ways outside of it.
1: Yeah. And, um, continuing on the idea of the underdog thing, I want to talk a bit about your willingness to play smaller venues, smaller cities, mm. um, You, of course, play some really big and very famous venues, but uh, I noticed you go a lot of places. Like, I have a North American booking agency, and you've been to cities where (laughs) I've never sent anybody in 15 years. Um, What is that about? Are you, and I'm curious if you're like specifically searching out that kind of situation, or it's finding you,
3: or it's just a willingness to maybe try some things that other DJs
2: are Mm.
1: not.
3: I'm really happy that you asked this question because this is something that I can prattle on about for probably too long for this radio show. But um,
1: <laughs> we've got time. <laughs>
3: uh, um, so yeah, the, it is a very specific direction in the in the way that I approach venues and promoters and places to seek out small places. Excuse me, small parties or promoters or, or, or groups of people in different spaces across the U.S., uh, South America, Europe, etc., wherever I can reach, essentially. Um, a core component of my strategy is not having, like, a, an, a, an, a large agent to book me in the States and not a huge following overseas is that, like, part of establishing relationships with places that really mean something and can be can be sort of long-term with multiple visits and, and grow and change as a place grows is to try and find places that are at the ground level or that are beginning to kind of connect the dots on how to throw a party or how to facilitate a quote-unquote community or, or, or a scene. Um, and so, you know, the one of the first things that I talked about when I got a booking agent, hello Alberto, was that like I wanted to be comfortable, uh, I wanted him to be comfortable with taking large fees and small fees uh, all the time. And that like, um, you know, we would do our best to straddle both lines so that it was, it, it, you know, that everyone was being compensated as they needed to be. But also knowing that like, if I want to play the places that I want to visit and, and to start to... Uh, put boots on the ground in areas that are working really fucking hard but don't have the budgets to bring in big names is that I'll have to be willing to take smaller fees and sleep on couches and like do whatever uh, uh, and keep it keep it tight financially in order to visit in a, in a cost-effective way um, and so that's just been kind of a strategy I've been working on for years now since the beginning of like really starting to taste the the, the road with with shows uh, like at in training in Cleveland and, and, and Midwest Fresh in Columbus and, and with the Hot Mass crew and really like cutting my teeth in those spaces and being super addicted to the feeling of like being in a room full of people um, that are like experiencing something at, at its beginning stages. Yeah. Um, that is... Um Incredibly infectious and so when I leave those spaces, I feel super renewed and restored and it's really helped me sort of Straddle that line between being really fucking jaded in a a scene that can be really frustrating sometimes and in in this sort of apparatus of social media that we build around artists Um, And so, you know, I I get to visit places like Valencia, Spain um, Last month, which absolutely blew my mind and is like totally exploding right now Uh, But it's 800,000 kids and they're all and I say kids because they're like 19, 20, 21, 22 they're out until 7.30 in the morning on a Thursday night. The next day, 600 of them show up at a day party. And this is a town under a million people. That's a thing that happened because of, like, an Instagram story referred to by a friend, emailed another friend, and we made it happen. And and so, you know, there's a, <laughs> a real juggle going on in my life trying to figure out how to spend time searching for music, how to spend time digging in on Facebook, RA event pages, and Instagram, and filing those things away and, and then reaching out and, you know, essentially cold calling places and being like, hey, would you be interested in, in doing something together? But trying to figure out how to do it in a way that feels authentic and not like uh, selling snake oil, you know, yeah. like, cause I am, you know, put, plugging a USB into a thing and pressing play. So like th- that, that being genuine and there being something reciprocal happening in terms of that is, is really valuable to me. Right.
1: Um, yeah. I think it's very important in those situations, like you were saying, everybody Your agent could ask for a giant fee, and you might even find people who would pay it, but it's embarrassing to show up somewhere, and you realize the the promoter of the club is losing money to do this thing, and you you don't want anybody losing money, including the artists, but everybody should be...
3: Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, uh, unless it goes unsaid, like, for example, South America is a place that I've started to develop a, a relationship with that has really changed me as a person. But, like, there is also the real acknowledgement of the fact that I don't need to be Christopher Columbus-ing my ass around the world, you know? Like, I am a, a white man from a pretty decent place of privilege, and so, like, when I visit these places and ask for certain fees, like, it's it, it would be not at all if I were to not be cognizant of, like, the financial burden that me asking for X amount of dollars causes to a place um, and, and if I uh, if I want to be uh, involved in scenes that support marginalized people of, of a variety of backgrounds, ethnicities, ab- uh, ablements, etc., that, like, I need to be open to flex and understand what's sustainable and healthy for an environment that I'm visiting and not just go fucking stomping around and asking for fancy meals and, and, and hotel rooms.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot in China and India for like break even at best fees, but some of those were some of the best parties I ever played because of exactly what you're talking about. People who are, it's really exciting to play for a room of people who are really new to this Mm -hmm. and not jaded at all. Mm -hmm. And as amazing as many of the institutions are in Europe, a lot of times I feel like when I play those places, it's just like, everybody's kind of been there, done that. Mm -hmm. This is what they do on the weekends, which is fine, but it's a completely different kind
3: of feeling. that is that is exactly right, and that is a conversation that a lot of people have been having for a very long time, and uh, maybe don't feel comfortable having it in a public forum because it would seem like we're you know throwing paint on an, on the idols or what have you, but also like fuck all idols, fuck all mm. monoliths, like all of these things have value, and the value is not dictated by like what they can compensate you as an artist for or or what they're charging at the door. Yeah. Um, and the the I've said this before, but like the core component of my theory is that like any. Uh, any party in the world can be the best party in the world at any moment if the, if the um, variables are correct. In right. correct meaning if they're right, if they feel right, if the things hit properly. Right. And I guess that
1: we can kind of transition into, I know at your own party and in general, you really value the importance of safe spaces. Yeah. Um, so maybe, I mean, I think I, everybody knows what that means, but maybe talk a little bit about what that means, mm. how you're trying to achieve it or how others can try to achieve sure. it in a club environment. Cause this is a really big issue yeah. at the moment.
3: Yeah. And, and, you know, the, I think it even just begins with like the language that we use, right? Like the idea of a safe space, like there's no place that's safe, right? We try to be safer. Right. And so the evolution of that idea became from safe spaces to safer spaces. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the idea being that you're trying to create a place that is like very cognizant of harassment and and any sort of um, racism, transphobia, homophobia, ableism, fat shaming, etc., and also any untoward behavior that makes anyone uncomfortable, really. Um, and and so one of these other you know conversations around the privilege piece is that like I have access as a, as a white man that some other people do not to institutions, to capital, etc., And I also have the ability to speak to other white people and specifically white men is just the nature of, like, you know, folks listen to folks that look like them. And so yeah. um, over time, uh, through my education as a person and, and self-discovery as well as relationships, like, with my partner who is who is incredibly intelligent and, and very um, uh, steel-spined when it comes to these, so- these sorts of advocacies that ha- has uh, helped push me a- along in an understanding where when I travel, I try to really... Um, push these conversations around, like, what are you doing when someone gets harassed in your club? How do you react to that? How do you de-escalate? How do you make sure the person that feels uncomfortable is kept safe from from retaliation from that person? How do you eject the person in a way that makes them feel safe, in a way that informs them that what they did is serious, but also, like, treats them with respect, depending on the severity of of what happened? Um, And these are really complicated conversations that have no prescriptive solution. Um, They are completely situational and they require a level of kindness and empathy and openness to the sort of situational um, politics of that particular moment, space person, etc. And so it is a wholly personal solution depending on what country I'm in, what club I'm at, what city I'm in, who makes up the club, who's running it, what does your security look like? Um, so in a place like Copenhagen, where I have a residency, I've been able to, over the number of years, like introduce concepts, have conversations, ask uh, ask for certain things to be done um, for, you know, to share knowledge about how we craft a policy that makes sense and that feels um, not utopian and, and practical, um, what it looks like to have people in the space in, in Copenhagen. There's a crew called Club Mafia that is is made up of, of queer folks uh, of, of varying identities that uh, patrol the club and and to a, take care of people that, that may need a little extra help or some water or whatever, but also intervene when when there's folks feeling uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, it, it looks like a myriad of applications, but the overall goal is that f- people feel safe and they understand that there are structures in place to make sure that if something happens, that people are taken care of and they're safe um, and and. Uh, or as safe as they can be. Let, let, me, th- right. let me clarify. So to, I guess to get a bit more micro on
1: this, I was wondering, I mean, I know you, we, as we said, you just moved to New York, but you've been visiting for the last few years. Um, what are your thoughts on like how this is all developing in New York? Because um, I still feel like we definitely have a ways to go, but I, all the clubs I go to now, elsewhere, Good Room nowadays, Market Hotel, everywhere, you know, there's signs. Some of them are talking to people at the door. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, how, I guess how do you feel about the state of things in New York right now? And I, I guess I'm um, just like, how can we make this better? And from what you said, it just it seems like there's a a certain amount of training or something that we have to do.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I I'll be careful to wait in too far because like I just got here, and and I'm I'm trying to be really careful about not. Uh, flexing or extending myself into places that I haven't fully, like, had time to really take in. Um, but I have been clubbing in the city for five years or something, so I have a good feeling for, for a lot of spaces. And, I mean, to be honest, New York is unquestionably the most progressive or or, or up there with the most progressive spaces in, in the States, for sure. And and people here are, don't beat around the bush when it comes to folks fucking up and, and calling folks out. And... Um, I feel that, yeah, the clubs here are, are a lot more pointed about in uh, making f- folks aware that there are policies when you enter, um, whether that's verbally or otherwise. Uh, I see the signs everywhere. The execution of these things is always touch and go because, you know, it, it really depends on what your staff is that night and, like, who's the security guard working and what was the situation that happened. and. And so, like from what I've observed, it's been handled quite well in many spaces. But for as many ki- times as you hear someone saying like someone made me feel uncomfortable and it was handled properly, you have as many instances uh, uh, as folks saying that they felt that they were not listened to or that they left because they were uncomfortable. Their night was yeah. was was was, uh, was ruined or you know um, whatever that looks like. So I feel confident here about. The execution of those things but there is always room for improvement and a knowledge share i think is desperately needed yeah. um i think that there is a lot of aggression and questioning and suspicion between folks in the scene even though essentially we are all inherently on the same team um and that there is a difference between disliking someone and knowing that you are both working for hopefully a similar goal um and i what I see in other places that have really sort of amorphous ways of taking care of these community issues is more of an openness to understand a variety of perspectives on how to execute yourself in this space and knowing that none of them are again, right or wrong. It's a question of like, how do you feel? Are you okay? Centering the victims and also just being open to dialogue and, and to be willing to look at your own mistakes in a, in a, in a way that has perspective um, and and aggression around these sorts of conversations is really common, you know?
1: I yeah. you. I mean, you mentioned the people's willingness to call people out in New York. And I, I personally have some mixed feelings on this and just wondering how helpful you think this call out culture is um you're because me the hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing a good job i think you can handle this <laughs> um okay. because i i mean i just feel like um i mean and this is the argument you always hear is like do i mean don't we as humans have the capacity to grow and change and is it fair to call somebody out for fucking up like w- where do you draw that line like when you you're like i'm going to go online and call somebody out um, which could potentially, you know, kind of end their involvement in the music scene in a way. So it's, yeah. it's a, I, know, I know it's a tough question.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't... Uh... So the the way that I look at it is that, like, we are having a vanguard moment. Um, we are in a moment in, in Zeitgeist that is pushing a conversation around abuse and, and, and victims and how we treat perpetrators. And um, what we don't have in place yet is an understanding of what... Structures of forgiveness look like and we don't have an under we don't have an understanding of what community accountability looks like on the side of the perpetrator and How long is someone canceled? Uh, What does that process look like because the idea of this is is hopefully at least in my research Which was like going back to like 90s Feminist scenes up until current present day with like different queer groups across the states in the world that have sort of published Documents about it, but there's not a ton of material and also, as a white man, I'm speaking from a very specific position, and I have to make sure not to put myself in any sort of hierarchical place. I'm in a constant state of learning here, um, and we are all going to fuck up a lot when it comes to something as radical as this, right? Because there are no, um, there's no framework for this in the way that we were up- raised. You know, like yeah. I think about the shit that I said when I was in high school and I want to punch my own myself in the face, you know? Right. And, and that's how I was up until very recently, to be honest. Not not within the last five years or so, but like that learning process is swift and it is it is somewhat violent when you realize like the break between what the ideal of the space we're trying to operate in and, and what ninety nine percent of society is, is socialized to, or ninety or whatever the fuck. Yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, it is important to ostracize people that have behaved in disgusting and dangerous ways. It is important to, to move around folks who have been violent and to let them know that violence is unacceptable. It is also really important for the friends of these people who care for them to take their friends by the hand and to help lead them into understanding and learning. For other people in the community to be willing to put themselves up for these conversations and also for someone to just to pick up the fucking phone sometimes or to like meet somebody for coffee. Um, I've spent more time on the phone in the last year and a half than I have, uh, since high school, because like these conversations inherently are not made to be had on social media. Right. And, 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 Definitely and, agree and, with that. And, and the sort of the, 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 brush fire that happens around these sorts of conversations can be extremely detrimental to the entire process. And so, um, where I have found that it works best with regards to facilitating accountability processes, which I've only just begun to. To, to, to attempt and it's incredibly draining and very complicated um, all the way through the gamut is like having an open conversation and like sitting down with a person or getting on the phone or talking with a number of people and like social media inherently is built to do the opposite of that Yeah. so uh, we are trying to be radical and to push through a wall and to start something that is functional and safe for the people around us we are trying to do it on a platform that is designed to sell us Alexas and so, yeah. um, th- those two things have not met a middle point yet, and it's going to take a lot of really uncomfortable work in order to get it to a place where we feel we're all um, taking care of one another. And oftentimes, what's left out of that conversation is love, empathy, kindness. Yeah. Uh, and and we're thinking about how do we get this check? How do we how do we save face? What's the what? How do we cut the limb off? What's th- what's the move to, to move forward the quick li- uh, the quickest? Um, and ultimately a lot of these folks don't actually care so you know um centering that work on the community and the people around you is the safest healthiest i think way to do it and um all the folks who are involved in in trying to push these conversations are doing really really hard work and i respect it a great deal and i'm learning uh, and and up uh, in tandem constantly
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i think i think we all are everybody is it's 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 difficult um Okay, so we'll switch gears to something easier after all that um, You did uh, your I think is your most recent release you self-released it on Bandcamp. Yeah, and just curious why you why you why you took that approach and uh, How like how you feel about the
3: result that you got or yeah. the reaction that you got? Yeah, so um the record industry is extremely tenuous and you never really know how something is going to roll out. That level of control versus anxiety really made a lot of things not so fun. And Bandcamp increasingly is an amazing model for artists as well as like a place that I love spending time on as a website. Like one of the few places on the internet that actually makes me happy.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, so I thought like, a, my, m- I'm interested in having my music be amorphous and and political when it needs to be and 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 happy and and uh, ecstasy driven when it's not and whatever and and oftentimes you know when you send something to a label it's dictated by someone else's perspective and taste and it is entirely um out of your hands in many capacities and so i wanted to do a project that spoke directly to some things that have absolutely changed my life which is um my introduction and 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 further reading about abolitionist perspectives around police and prisons and and the greatest sort of Um, Awakening that happens when you start to crack These the books of of Civil rights leaders and and watch lectures And maybe even get your boots dirty on the street And scream a bit and um, This project seemed like The sort of natural next step for me in terms of Like a releasing a statement About how I feel about these Institutions and and, uh, um, Arms Of the carceral state and Also like as a way to see What the model might look like if you just gave all the money Away um, and you know, some people paid 50 fucking dollars for a release that is four bucks.
1: Yeah. That's always, I mean, we and do that's band crazy. camp as well and it's the best when people God, even an extra dollar sometimes. It's great. It's like, thank you. Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> and where the hell else can you have a model like that? It doesn't, I mean, if I open a store, like people aren't going to come in and play $10 for a bag of chips just cause they feel that they <laughs> like me. You know what I'm saying? Like that's it, you know, saying here's my new music, but also every dollar that you give to this piece is going to somebody else. Um, removing myself from the equation as much as possible is like a core theme of my work as much as I can also being a person that markets themselves, you know, and is trying to make a living in some capacity, and this was another way that I felt um, was just using my access, my platform etc. in a way that was quite reciprocative as well as a sharing mentality, right? Like, you know Share Power was a record I put out a couple weeks ago. It is written in enormous bold text on my arm. It is the operating procedure through which I move through life. And and that is another component of that. And um, I also work part-time for a company that doubles and triples donations depending on if the organization is recognized within their internal system. And so I also have a way of using my position, my privilege, etc. to funnel money given to me for a release into a org which will then you know a huge corporation which will then pay a bunch more money to this like very radical organization in right. chicago um and that that group is the chicago community bond fund um and they're going um excuse me they are working very hard to to end cash bail in the city of illinois, the state of illinois and to help bail out folks that can't cover their cash bond which keeps a lot, a lot, a lot of black and brown folks in jail for six, ten, uh, six, ten months a year just because they couldn't front 200 or three or $400. Right. They lose their job. They lose their kids sometimes. Like, it's totally insane. And so, you know, that is just one direct, very hands-on group that I, f- that I thought would benefit from any donation, let alone, like, giving a chance to sh- sh- shout about them a bit. And as it happened, like, somebody hit me up on Twitter, ends up that, like this was one of the first people that I met marching with black lives matter after Ferguson in 2014. It turns out he was one of the founding members who started the organization oh, wow. and that we'd, we'd marched together almost every time that I've been in the street. Cause I was generally alone. Um, and he had started this thing two years ago and it's like his main source of income and like his, he's one of the co-founders and thought that was just a really interesting full circle moment. And, and I know, you know, not firsthand, but I was in the city for almost a decade and, It's really, really fucked up, and the police there are fucking insane. They're horrible, horrible pigs. And uh, and this was a necessary sort of gesture for me, you know, to feel like I I had made the point that I would like to make, and also, you know, put some music with it as well as, uh, uh, um, um, what's the word, direct some capital in a place that that needs it.
1: Yeah, I can see how that would be with all of those many goals. difficult to impossible that would be to do with somebody, with a label? Else's, somebody yeah. else's label would have
3: been impossible and so i wanted to experiment see if it would work and and, and almost zero press outlets picked it up um but i don't have a, a, a hot email list i have some folks you know yeah um, i thought about going through a pr agency but i wanted to see what would happen on my own um but it is what it is you know folks heard it folks enjoyed it folks acquired it and 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 played it out and i think that's kind of the entire mm-hmm. point right yeah. like if the press doesn't cover it. it is what it is um and why
1: no uh, physical format is that just for the immediacy yeah. of the whole project yeah. or and yeah
3: yeah it was just about direct delivery um i you know i'm wearing a shirt that we made for an, uh, another digital release that we did uh called jill on on or that that i should say that i did a singing project called jill that we did on argo years ago um and released it as digital but you could buy a shirt and get the files as well and Excuse me. Um, had uh, Molly Smith do the art, amazing, uh, yeah. pointillist, and yeah, she's uh, great. Brian Akarski did the the design, as he does with you know everything I've done for the last decade plus. But I don't know. I just wanted I wanted to see how quickly we could turn around the corner. You know, like it gets mastered, the art's delivered, I could put it out the next day. That's that's awesome to me. Yeah. And, no, it is and, and, and As it somebody be, um, who
1: runs a vinyl label. It's insane. Yeah, like 12 amazing. months
3: later, this music that I hate is getting released <laughs> to the world like sweet, you know, and not to be ungrateful by any mean, you know, uh, any means like I put out records. I think it's incredible. Record store culture is so, so vital, but um, I, it is also quite democratizing to not have your thing be on a $16 piece of plastic that's been flown around the world and is only yeah. played in the right conditions on a platter in this, you know, blah, blah, blah with a good needle, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that's a huge conversation. And I'm not yeah, looking to not. take an ideological <laughs> position in that. I'm just saying that this worked for me at this present time. Yeah. It was yeah. exciting and fun. I just
1: wanted to talk about it specifically with <laughs> yeah, that project. Yeah. Not. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We're not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> um, so just a couple more things before we get back into the mix. Yeah. let try to give you at least another half an hour. Sure. Um, upcoming gigs i know i told the guys i would mention you're playing smangtasia yes Um, maybe talk a little bit about your experience there last year and uh what you have planned for
3: this year smangtasia is amazing end of july upstate new york on a farm uh barn rave vibes played last year um you were there literal literal barn vibe literal barn (laughs) vibes um you played last year we had a great time it was like A really dedicated crowd of heads and the weather was quite volatile but like also pretty forgiving at times and um i just love taj and and so much and uh i'm really proud of them for taking this on yeah (laughs) the amount of logistics that it would take to throw a festival like observing our friends doing that thing that we've observed in like higher scale environments um was really humbling. And I'm, I'm also super flattered to be invited back in the lineup this year is just like pound for pound North American heavy hitters. Uh, it's all North American, right? Yeah, is that, that's the idea. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, I'm super excited. Like, th- I mean, just the fact that they have in training, all of the members have been training playing, like amongst so many other friends, like Kamal and, and, and CL and black noise, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's it's sick. Um, but what else is coming up? Um, and, and I will do another probably three, two or three good room parties this year. I have my residency in Copenhagen called self disrupt, which we'll do two more. Uh, I believe one at the beginning of October and one at the end of December ish. Um, what else we got going on? I'm putting out a, a podcast for a fairly large outlet quite soon that I'm excited about. And I'll leave that cool. there. Um, and then, uh, I'm working on an Asian tour in October. My, my first, trip to Asia. Um, working on putting together dates right now and, um, food and, uh, a couple days, or I should say almost a week in Japan on the back end to explore, which is like my, oh, yeah. it's my lifetime dream. Trip.
1: Mi- minimum.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be almost a month total if it, if it goes properly. Um, and then I'm going to do another charity release, uh, hopefully next month, um, with another, some, another batch of tracks that have been kicking around since, um, started working, uh, or started working really heavily in the studio last year. Uh, for the first time maybe ever. And then I'm I'm spending like a great deal of time trying to learn this MPC-2000 uh, that I have had sitting in my house for like a year and a half. It's my dream machine and I really want to learn how to use it. So I'm trying to figure out how to be Mr. G uh, <laughs> by next year. <laughs> um, cool. Sounds like
1: you've got a lot cooking. Yeah. Um, we're s- it's simmering. It's yeah. simmering. Thanks again for coming in. We did a long interview. So we've got... Sorry, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. We've got 30 minutes left for you to play some more music. So with that, we'll get back into the mix with Saville. You're listening to The Bunker, New York on Red Bull Radio.
3: Thanks for listening. You're
0: listening to Red Bull Radio.
1: listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We've been in the mix with Saville. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Um, we just have a few minutes left. We'll be back in two weeks. I don't know who the guest is yet, but we'll be back in two weeks with somebody interesting. It's going to be good, whatever it is. Yeah. So you've been listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.